Sons, we can all listen to the sunny side of sports. Great show, bro. This is sunny side of sports. Right here on the Voice of America. Voice of America. Sporty greetings to all our Voice of America listeners. This is VOA's Muck Bill Yabro sitting in for Sonny Young in Washington. Welcome to the June 1st edition of the sunny side of sports. Let's start off by hitting the field for a look at the qualifying games for the Africa Cup of Nations. Matches for the 34th edition of the tournament. 48 teams are placed in 12 groups. The first two teams from each group will qualify for the Africa Cup of Nations in Ivory Coast a year from now. Fisayo Diaro is the chief football writer at www.aclsports.com. He spoke with Iron Mike Mbonier about the coming action. He says the games will be interesting because some countries that missed the last edition of AFCON will likely be in contention in Ivory Coast. To begin with, a total of 54 African nations who are members of the Confederation of African Football, CAF, registered to participate in the qualifying series for the 2023 Africa Cup of Nations, which will be staged in Cote d'Ivoire next summer. Of the 54 nations, we are down to 48 now, and these 48 countries were pitted in 12 different groups of four each and in these groups the top two teams will advance for the tournament which will be a 24 team tournament like we've had in the last two africa cup of nations tournaments but for the first time in a long while both the host nation cordova and defending champion senegal are in the port they are going to be playing to qualify for the tournament while regardless of what happened during the series Cote d'Ivoire will be in the, in the competition, which means that in their group, only one team will join them. In the 11 remaining groups, the top two teams in each group will advance to compete with Cote d'Ivoire at the Africa's biggest football showpiece um, in June next year. So as it is, the top nations in African football, those that will be at the World Cup later this year, and those that missed out in the final order, they have another chance of redemption weekly. And that is having an, an African tournament within 15 months that the last one was concluded in Yaoundé, Cameroon. Some fixtures for match day one of the qualifiers are Angola hosting Central Africa Republic, Libya versus Botswana in Benghazi, Ghana playing against Madagascar in Cape Coast. What's your take on these games? Group E of this qualification series is a quite interesting one. Reason because the Black Stars of Ghana are the only team of the four teams in this group. They were the last edition of the African tournament held in Cameroon. The other three teams, the Palankash Negras of Angola, the wild beasts of the Central African Republic and the barrier of matter were not at the tournament. So there's another opportunity for them to take a claim to be among the elite teams in African football. So starting from that very first game this week between Angola and Central African Republic, you know that there is plenty to play for among these two teams. Angola used to be a very decent side in African football in the early 2000s. They got to the World Cup in 2006. They produced some interesting talents like Flavio Amado, like Manucho. But 
it hasn't been the same in recent times. So there's a time for redemption for them. Ghana will be hosting Madagascar and Cape Coast and everyone will expect them to win that game and because it will offer their fans some sort of inkling as to where they are in terms of preparing for the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 which will be staged later this year, I mean November. And in the final game to be decided this week as well, Libya against Botswana, another game that beat two teams they were not at the last AFCON tournament. It's also going to be an interesting one. Libya will be banking on some of the stars that excelled for Alali Tripoli and Alitia Tripoli in the CAF Confederation Cup tournament this season for that national team. So it's definitely going to be fireworks across the African continent for the next one week. The Super Eagles of Nigeria will host Leon Stars of Sierra Leone next week. Do you think the Nigerian team has overcome the loss of the World Cup ticket to play this game? I believe that the extent at which Nigeria have overcome the excruciating pains of their failure to qualify for the 2022 FIFA World Cup Qatar will be known when this qualification series gets underway for them. Presently, they are in the United States for a couple of friendly games. They already lost to Mexico in the early hours of Sunday in Texas. Now they face Equator on Thursday before coming back to Abuja to face the Leon Stars of Sierra Leone next Thursday. It's a potential banana peel because um, the last time when they were playing in qualification for the AFCON, this year's AFCON, Nigeria did not beat Sierra Leone both home and away. The, the first installment ended 4-0 in Benin City before both teams again played out a draw in Freetown. Nigeria allowing a four-goal lead slip in that Benin City game. So this time around, the new technical crew headed by the Portuguese Jose Peseiro know that they need to hit the ground running as quickly as possible, get the important three points against Sierra Leone, perhaps follow it up with another decent result when they go to Mauritius a few days later. And then if they can get six points from those two matches, they can start dreaming of winning their fourth African Cup of Nations crown like the new coach assured the fans in his very first message to them after he was appointed. Qualifying play kicks off today for the 2023 Africa Cup of Nations in the Ivory Coast. In Luanda, Angola takes on Central African Republic. In Benghazi, Libya faces Botswana. And in Cape Coast, it will be Ghana versus Madagascar. The qualifying rounds end June 13th. At a news conference yesterday, Madagascar's coach Nicolas Dupois says his team is ready to win. Dupuis says his players know the Ghanaian team and have been following it. He says for the match, they will keep doing things their way. Dupuis says the Ghanaian team is made of great individuals and his team aims to find ways to go against Ghana's plans and score a goal. Ghana's head coach Otto Addo wasn't going to forecast the game. It's difficult to predict the result. We will do our best and I hope that if we do our best, it will be enough to win. But um, if you look at their recent games, um, it's not not long time ago, I think they they even beat Nigeria. So I think from this you can see what we have to expect. Anything is happen- uh, can, can be possible in football, and uh, we are the favorites, but 
it's it's like I said, it's a different game. We have to break them. And here's tomorrow's match lineup. Malawi takes on Ethiopia in Lilongwe. Mozambique and Rwanda battle in Johannesburg, while Tunisia confronts Equatorial Guinea in Rad's Tunisia. Also, Sao Tome and Principe has won its appeal of a suspension the Confederation of Africa football had imposed. CAF had said Sao Tome had earlier fielded an ineligible player in its preliminary match against Mauritius, but its disciplinary board dropped the suspension. As a result, Mauritius had been knocked out of the qualifiers. Sticking with football, the World Cup qualifying match today between Scotland and Ukraine comes with added emotion as Ukrainians continue to fight the invading Russian army in their country. At a news conference yesterday in Glasgow, Scotland, Alexander Zichenko, the Ukrainian midfielder, was blunt about what's happening far away from the pitch. The things which is happening now in our country, it's, it's not acceptable. It's something which I cannot even describe. So that's why we need to stop this aggression altogether. And uh, we need to win because Ukraine is the country of freedom. Ukraine is, not gonna, is never going to give up. So, but the thing is, um, which I would like to say as well, that a lot of countries maybe don't understand that today is Ukraine, but tomorrow, tomorrow can be you. So that's why we need to be united and you need to beat this Russian aggression altogether. Zinchenko, who also plays for Manchester City in the UK, says it's not clear how many Ukrainian supporters will be in the stands. I hope there will be a lot of, still a lot of people, but uh, we totally understand the situation that maybe there is no opportunity for a lot of Ukrainian people to come and watch the game tomorrow. But I'm pretty sure that all Ukraine who has this opportunity is going to watch us and we're going to feel this support. That's 100%. So, and like I said already many times, to be fair, you know, we can speak a lot, but we need to do on the pitch. So that's what we're going to try to do tomorrow. We're going to try to, to make them happy and proud. Scotland head coach Steve Clark says he has nothing but good wishes for Ukraine, but his side is determined to get a shot at qualifying for the Qatar World Cup. I think for all of them, it's an incredible situation that they find themselves in. Uh, how you would deal with it yourself if you were put in that situation, you don't know until you're actually there. Uh, but nothing but nothing but good thoughts for them and, and good wishes for them, except during the game, because obviously they want to go to Qatar and represent their country, but I'm desperate to go to Qatar with Scotland. Uh, my staff are desperate to go. And most importantly, our players are desperate to take their country to a World Cup final. So that's what we focus on. He also said he expects Scots fans, known as the Tartan Army, to be respectful of the Ukrainian team. Before the game, there will be a lot of emotion around on the Ukrainian side. Uh, I'm sure the Tartan Army will respect their national anthem, will applaud, applaud their national anthem. Then I'm pretty sure the Tartan Army will sing their hearts out and, and get behind the team. And it's really important for us to, to do that. The match was postponed from March because of the war. The winner will face Wales and Cardiff on Sunday to decide who will progress to November's World Cup. Football in Ukraine stopped after Russia's invasion, but a squad of 21 home-based players has been together at a camp in Slovenia since the start of May, and they have played three friendly matches against club teams in Germany, Italy, and Croatia. The two countries have only met on two occasions before, both in the qualifying campaign for Euro 2008 with the head-to-head -head record standing at one win apiece.
I'm VOA's Muck Bill Yabro in Washington, and you're listening to the sunny side of sports. Voice of America. Listen to VOA's program lineup live, anytime, day or night. Pick out your favorite shows and listen anytime you want. Download our podcasts. Check VOA mobile from your cell phone. Subscribe to VOA Newsfeed. VOANews.com. VOA! I encourage our VOA listeners to check out the Sunny Side of Sports Facebook page. The address is facebook.com slash Sunny. Once again, that address, facebook.com slash Sunny. You'll see photos and videos, and you can post your comments. So check out the Sunny Side of Sports Facebook page. Voice of America. And to all our listeners, just a reminder that we have moved our programs to voaafrica.com. There you will find all your favorite VOA radio and TV programs and a whole lot more. The FIFA Champions Project is literally championing African women and girls through the sport of football. VOA's Gwen Uten explains the project is also helping to tackle gender inequality in West Africa. Sunday, FIFA delegates concluded a week-long visit to Africa, where they witnessed the power of the Champion Project. FIFA established the project in collaboration with the French Development Agency, or AFD, to foster leadership among girls, promote gender equality, and provide quality education in safe environments, all through football. The project is being implemented in Benin, Togo, and in Guinea, the country that FIFA delegation recently visited. Mariama Sai Diallo is the president of the Ghanaian Football Committee. She says Guinea is fortunate to be one of the three countries selected for the Champion Project. Diallo says the FIFA project allows young Ghanaian girls to liberate themselves both socially and economically, taking matters into their own hands. It will also encourage them to be leaders in whichever field of activity they decide to pursue in the future. In general, it has really allowed communities to accept the social emancipation of women. The Champion Project offers over 5,000 women and girls aged 12 to 24 the opportunity to practice the game of football in refurbished mixed-gender training facilities as a way to promote gender equality. And let 
Andrea Cesar, a gender and sport development project manager, says the project enables male and female players to coexist in harmony. Cesar says we've combined our main strengths. For FIFA, it's conveying values through sport. And for the AFD, it's promoting projects that have a positive impact on gender equality. So we're bringing these two big worlds together, sport and football, which is very popular among communities. So there's real enthusiasm. In West Africa, 30% of girls from age 15 to 19 are married, divorced, or widowed. And in Guinea, 54% of girls are married before they turn 17. For many, school is not an option, and they face many obstacles, both economically and socially. However, the Champion Project hopes to transform those social and economic norms and contribute to female empowerment. Saiko Hayaso is a father whose daughter participates in the program, and he says he's happy to see his daughter develop both socially and psychologically. Hayaso says, for me, the Champion Project is unifying. It allows young girls to break taboos that exist between men and women. I think that over the next four years, I will have a daughter who can compete not only at the national level, but also internationally. So I'm proud, and I want the Champion Project to spread throughout Guinea. Young Champion players say the project has brought them joy in being part of a football team so they can show the world the sport is not only for men, women can play football too. Thanks, Gwen. Uganda star Hasifa Nasuna set a national record by scoring 100 goals in the domestic league. The Ugandan women's national team star says she will work even harder and score goals at coming competitions to win herself a professional career at some of the elite clubs in the world. Reporter Magomo Davis Rukuwingi caught up with her and files this report from Kampala, Uganda. Uganda Crested Cranes forward, Hasfana Suna, and the rest of the women's Crested Cranes national team train in Kampala for the coming council of Eastern Central Africa Football Association tournament. Despite squaring 100 goals and helping her team finish in fourth place, Nasuna says she didn't achieve her season target. Every start of the season I always want to be. I always wanted to be a top scorer. So I think that is the most of the things that pushed me and every start of the season I always set targets, how many goals I'm going to score, the assets this season. I my target was to reach uh, to score twenty goals, but I managed to score fifteen because the fact the fact is I was in gold drought. As a young girl Nasuna always loved soccer, but like other girls who aspire to play, she often faced discouragement from others, including some of her relatives. Her mother, herself a former soccer player, however, supported her. I grew up with my grandmom, but she didn't want me to play soccer. It is, it is funny because it is a sport for men and I was a girl. So she didn't want... So I grew up with my brothers and I always joined them to play soccer. So whenever I could go 
with them. Whenever I went with them to to play, I always when when I get back home, then my grandmother always caned me when when she finds out that I'm from playing soccer. So, but I think right now she's proud of me. Yeah. She kept going, and eventually joined league side Kawempe Muslim Ladies Football Club in 2015, guiding them three league titles. Then she joined the Ghana Christian University team, Lady Cannons, where her goals got them a league title. Her scoring exploits have won her accolades, and she has been a top scorer for three seasons, clinching MVP of season as well. As an integral member of the national team, the Crested Queens, Nasuna, says she's glad she can inspire millions of young girls in Uganda and around the world who aspire to play football. Apart from the honors and travel adventures, Nasuna says soccer has helped her be able to fend for herself. She has studied on scholarship from secondary school to university. National teammate, striker Sandra Nabweteme, says it is always a pleasure playing alongside Nasuna. She's humble, she wants to learn new things, and she's exemplary, first of all, because when you are with her on the field, you love how she plays, because she's always going to find those moments where, which are going to help the team win. George Lutalo, the consequence head coach, also praises national skills and display. She knows how to control the ball. She's good at, uh, at, at shooting. She has the right techniques. She uses both legs. Nasuna looks forward to the coming tournaments, particularly the Continental Showpiece, the Africa Women's Cup of Nations, or AUCON, which starts in July. We have prepared well, and I personally have prepared well because I've been uh, I've been active in the league. We're really going to put up a good show. We are preparing. We are going for Sekafa. I think that is a tournament that is going to help us more to prepare for AUCON. Having scored 100 goals, Nasuna says she now has nothing much to prove in the domestic league. She says she's aiming at performing well at this year's international engagements and hopes for a chance to play in top European leagues. For the sunny side of sports, I am Mugume, Davis Ruakarinjin Kampala, Uganda. Thanks, Mugume. And here's an update on some football business. U.S. investment firm Redbird Capital Partners has agreed to a 1.2 billion euro deal to buy Italian soccer champions AC Milan and is aiming to challenge the elite of the European game again. The club said Wednesday under current owners, U.S. private equity group Elliott will retain a minority investment and seats on the board. Milan just won the Italian Serie A league title for the first time in 11 years. And in other transaction news, Tottenham yesterday said Croatia's international Ivan Perzic is joining Tottenham on a free transfer to the Premier League club on Tuesday. In a video released by the Premier Club League, Perzic says he's ready for the move. I'm really excited to start with the sports family. When I got the contact with the, with the coach and the sport director, I told them that uh, I really want, wanted to come here in the Premier League since 2009 when I start to play professional football in, uh, in Belgium, this is the moment and uh, I can't wait. The 33-year-old Perisic will join Tottenham on a two-year deal after his contract at Inter Milan expires at the end of June. He won league titles in Germany with Borussia Dortmund and Bayern Munich and Italy. He scored in the 2018 World Cup final, which Croatia lost to France 4-2.
I'm VOA's Muck Bill Yabro in Washington, and you are listening to the sunny side of sports. Kick it! Africa News Tonight, we let the sound tell the story, putting you in the middle of events from Africa's news to world crises. Africa News Tonight comes to you live from the Voice of America, Monday through Friday at 1600 and 1800 UTC on the following shortwave frequencies, 6080 kilohertz, 49.3 meter band, and 15580 kHz, 19.2 meter band. We are also live on the internet at www.voaafrica.com. Swinging on over to the tennis court, Rafael Nadal stayed on course for a record-extending men's 22nd Grand Slam title by beating arch-rival Novak Djokovic, 6-2, 4-6, 6-2, and 7-6. In a French Open quarterfinal clash on Tuesday, the 13-time Roland Garros champion has been suffering from a chronic foot injury that has put his participation in the French Open, in doubt. After his win Tuesday, the 36-year-old Spaniard said his focus will be in the semifinal match against German third-seed Alexander Zverev. World number one Djokovic said he was proud of the fight he put up, but he said he lost to a better player. Djokovic, the winner of 20 Grand Slam titles, conceded an early break to Nadal in each of the first three sets and had two set points in the fourth. Nadal clinched the four-hour, 12-minute contest in the tiebreaker. On the women's side, 18-year-old Coco Gauff achieved a major career breakthrough by reaching her first major semifinal at the French Open, beating fellow American Sloane Stephens on Tuesday. Goff said, however, she thought graduating from high school last month was a bigger achievement. Daria Kasatkina beat Victoria Kudermetov in straight sets to cruise into her first ever Grand Slam semifinal on Wednesday and has not dropped a single set so far in the tournament. She will face top seed and world number one Iga Swiatek of Poland, who eased past American Jessica Pigula 6-3-6-2. In squash, world number three Mohamed El Shorbagi beat Ferris Dasuki in the quarterfinals of the 2022 Alguna International in Egypt. He will take on world number one Paul Cole for a place in the final. In women's draw, 
Egypt's Noor El Taib will line up against world number one Nurain Gohar in the semifinals, courtesy of the win against Belgium's Tyne Gillis. Heading out to the links, former world number one Dustin Johnson and past major champion Sergio Garcia were listed among the competitors for the opening LIV Golf Invitational Series event. The Saudi-backed league released the field Tuesday. It did not include Phil Mickelson, who has been feuding with the PGA Tour. However, the six-time major champion Mickelson could still tee it up at the Centurial Club outside London as six spots in the 48-player event remain open. Both the PGA Tour and DP World Tour have recently declined all requests from members who had asked for releases to compete at Centurion. And now into the ring. The World Boxing Organization has ordered undisputed super welterweight world champion Jermel Charlo to defend his title against the Australian mandatory challenger Tim So. Both camps have been given 20 days to reach an agreement before the WBO orders a purse bid. American Charlo, who also holds the WBC, IBF, and WBA belts, became the undisputed champion when he knocked out Brian Castano two weeks ago, while Tsio beat Terrell Gosha by unanimous decision in his last fight in March. Just for fun to close out today's show, here's a look at some action on the track. The Corgi National Race at the Santa Anita Racetrack in California. Yes, gorgeous. Those fluffy short dogs beloved by Britain's Queen Elizabeth. We've got just about everything you need to make these puppies run. And your Mark's dogs get set and go. There they go. And here comes Emmett once again going to the lead. On the inside, it's Archie and Emmett in a photo. Oh, my goodness. What an exciting race. Is it Archie on the inside or Emmett of the wire? Archie, nose doubt Emmett in a photo finish in the race held every year on the last Monday of May in the U.S. And that wraps the show. Thank you for tuning in. I am VOA's Muck Bill Yabaro in Washington. And that's the sunny side of sports. 